0: Hello and
1: welcome back to the Pre-Construction Podcast. It's your host Gareth McGlynn with all your pre-construction crack. So folks, as always, 12 p.m. EST, we are releasing an episode of the Pre-Construction Podcast every Monday at that time. The guests are gonna get better and the podcasts are gonna become way more frequent. So that's every Monday, set your alarm, subscribe to the podcast, and get notified when there's a new episode. Now, speaking of brilliant guests, today's guest is Mark Sands. He is the founder of Building Catalyst. Now, what is Building Catalyst? It is a pre-construction technology that applies a management philosophy that is grounded in systems thinking. So rather than the silo approach, this is very much a systems approach. But it's a systems approach with structured data in mind. Building Catalyst, it was born in 2013. Mark, prior to that, he worked with the White's Company for five years as the Ops Manager. He was the VP and the partner of the Chrysman Company for about seven years. And then he bit the bullet and said, you know what? There's a better way of doing this. And he started Building Catalyst. Now, 2017, Building Catalyst got his first buyer or subscriber it was a bold company and they worked very closely together then in 2019 the building catalyst decided to do it was a technology and data resources it was kind of an automation advisory board and they basically allowed the data to be shared through everyone then in 2020 it became commercially viable so it got a little bit of funding went commercially viable then 2022 10 billion dollars worth of projects were run through building catalyst incredible over 600 projects uh, and to be honest with you a lot of that was enr top 100 builders as well then the first systems live systems approach pilot a major breakthrough to integrate and automate the pre-construction process happened with the mary freebed rehabilitation hospital in grand rapids uh, michigan now Mark goes into great detail on this project, how how it was built up, how it was basically driven by the, the, the owner on this case, which is the Mary Free Bed Rehabilitation Hospital. A uh, fascinating story and a fascinating insight. Listen, if you're interested in data, you're interested in structured data, what to do with it, how to use it, then this is the podcast for you. As always, folks, before we hear from Mark, let's hear from our two sponsors. That's first, Steve Del archell He is a co-founder of Concentric. And then and after we hear from Mark, we will hear from Stuart Carroll, the pre- president of Beck Technology.
0: Stuck in spreadsheets? Tired of the endless loop of copying and pasting? Now imagine all your estimating workflows in one program. Beck Technologies' innovative Destiny Estimator software streamlines the entire estimating process. With intuitive tools and powerful analytics, you can create accurate and reliable estimates quickly and easily. We understand the challenges pre-con teams face because we were born from construction. When you are ready to streamline your estimating effort, visit us at Beck-Technology.com and talk with a tech expert in a Destiny Estimator demo today.
1: Mark Sands, welcome to the Pre-Construction Podcast.
2: Well, thank you, Gareth. It's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate the opportunity.
1: Good, man. Looking forward to it. Mark Sands, you're up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. How is the weather?
2: It's a beautiful day uh, here in Grand Rapids. We love our summers. Struggle (laughs) through the winters at
1: times. (laughs) Oh, I bet you love your your summers after a torturous winter. Brian. Glad to hear it. Um, So listen, what I'm going to do, usually, and I said this to you before, Mark, usually I ask the guests to introduce themselves and give them a background. But we have got so much to get through that I want to condense it. I'm going to give everybody a quick rundown on your background. Very simply, operations manager at the White's Company for five years. Then you were VP at the Christman Company for over seven years. And then 2013, I think it was January, you founded Building Catalyst and you're now founder of Building Catalyst. Let's talk about that moment when you decided, and you just you were in the Chrysman company and you decided, you know what? As VP, I'm gonna step away from this beautiful industry, wonderful salary, lovely life, and I'm gonna take the chance on building catalyst. How did that come about?
2: well, i'd I'd say that, uh, yes, it's a beautiful industry. I loved working for the Chrisman Company. It's exciting to be involved in uh, construction projects. But uh, early on in my career, I just was somehow um, captured with this idea that the construction could operate much better. I was frustrated with the fragmentation, and uh, you know, all the uh, dysfunction that uh, you know, seemed to pervade. i. Actually, uh, when I was a young man, I was brought in as a project manager. I was brought in uh, to on a bid day, and uh, we ended up um, working on a, a major science center for University of Michigan, submitting a proposal. And in the flurry of the last few moments, uh, we ended up using the electrical contractor's phone number as his bid, and <laughs> ended up. Being- <laughs> And I, I was, uh, you know, I just created an incredible paradigm shift. I says, how can grown men, you know, actually, you know, survive, you know, with this, uh, you know, this kind of risk that we're uh, dealing and, with?
1: And, you know, the scary thing about that, Mark, that's probably not the last time that that's going to happen.
2: Oh, my gosh. You know, it, it was Back in the day, you know, before even fax machines and everything, I mean, I've talked to g- different guys about you know, writing a book on bid day stories, it would just be a fascinating book. So, I'd encourage your listeners maybe to, you know, maybe you could uh, have a little podcast on uh, bid day stories someday. I love it, and I, I tell, tell you it. what, I'm
1: going to do I'm going to start it as soon as we get off this podcast. I'm going to stick it on LinkedIn and I'm going to say, and write the best bid day story. What we got to have a prize. What's the prize mark? a free oh, the, the, a, a free yeah, a, you, uh, a free membership to to building catalyst for a year
2: t- 10 years
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, i love it brilliant cool yeah so sorry i interrupted you there so you were uh, you were yeah. you were the, the penny yeah, had dropped so, so. you were fed up using ele- electrical contractors phone numbers
2: <laughs> exactly so as is, uh, you know, time uh, rolled on, you know, and I was really uh, interested in researching and studying the the problem that was so pervasive in the construction industry. I ran across a guy named Deming that we'll talk about hopefully later if we have uh, time. And he just really set me on a course of of thinking like a system. Uh, He really transformed manufacturing, but just by simply, uh, using a management philosophy uh, that was organized around systems theory. So I became a systems thinker and, um, you know, fast forward to 2013 after, a, you know, a few decades of uh, still muscling through our uh, the way we do business, um, I decided to uh, create a catalyst that in essence uh, creates a system out of the building process.
1: Brilliant! I love it. And you mentioned there Deming. What? When were you introduced to him? And did you implement that at the Christman Company? Well, well, as much of it as possible.
2: So in uh, the early nineteen nineties. So we're going way back. I was was one of the owners of Christman on the board and uh, so forth. And I made an appeal uh, to my employer to uh, consider a um, applying Deming's. Uh, management philosophy—it's—it's it's really called a system of profound knowledge, uh, and then 14 uh, management principles. And I honestly—I didn't do a very good job of ex, of explaining it and presenting it. And so I just—it's all on me, you know. Uh, Chrisman's outstanding company continues to be the, to this day, and and uh, but I was unable to to really um, you know be. Uh, make create a compelling case, you know, for Deming.
1: Yeah, um, no, but and, and listen, you know yourself to to do that, uh, and and having just known Deming and understood the philosophy, um it would have been very difficult to go in and, and start teaching people it. So that that's understandable. But when you were talking and 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 kind of gearing up for building Catalyst. What was the the idea in your head? Because obviously we hear it all the time with founders and co-founders of technology companies. The idea that they originally have is probably not yeah. the idea that they have at the end. So what was that idea in 2013? Yeah.
2: So um, the idea really was uh, to uh, integrate and automate the entire construction process from end to end, from the very onset of a project to the completion of the project. But you, but you have to start somewhere, and the best place to start is in the planning stages. And um, and I had an amazing opportunity. I uh, probably should have uh, been included in the introduction, but uh, back in uh, you know 2000 to 2010, I was very involved with what's today called uh, manufacturing-inspired or industrialized construction. So, the steel case steelcase is the world's largest manufacturer of interior office systems. and uh, they came up with this idea of uh, producing uh, turnkey all the way from the you know entrance into the parking lot, all the way to the desk of the uh, employee, you know, in an office building, a complete you know systems approach to construction. How would a manufacturer Produce a building. And it was a fascinating experience uh, to still, really see how a manufacturer would approach the building process. And I just learned an enormous amount. And, and really, um, it, it all has to focus from the inside out. It, it has to focus on that employee at the desk or that patient, you know, in a patient room or that student in a classroom. And then just everything uh, supports you know that purpose that that function and so that really and that tied into Deming's theory. Deming defines a system as a uh, a network of interdependent components all working together to accomplish the aim of the system. So the whole idea of catalyst then becomes start with what the building purpose is, what the aim of the system is, and that's uh, basically the functions you know that classroom or that patient organized by departments Uh, and then the whole, you know, building uh, then needs to support that that purpose and building catalyst then has been built to take the owner's business case, the building purpose, plus the constraints. Where is the building located? Uh, How tall is it? Uh, What are the soil conditions? What are the other demands? Uh, You know, is it a private owner, or public owner? What is the quality level? and to be able to take the owner's business case plus all of those attributes and then uh, effectively predict the space program, predict the design massing of the building, predict the schedule and then predict the cost in a fairly significant level of detail. And that level of detail uh, on the cost side goes down to what we would refer to as uniform at level three in most cases. So pretty detailed estimate that can, or cost model, we'd like to use the word cost model rather than estimate. Estimate is a kind of, you know, connotes uh, an estimator taking off quantities from a drawing and then applying unit prices to it. A cost model actually then produces the outcomes, the cost outcomes before there's any drawings, before there's even a space program uh, perhaps and and that. So it really creates the, um, a, a model from the very inception, you know,
1: the, uh, project idea. Right now. So basically what you're saying, is it's gotta be a systems approach rather than a siloed approach, which the construction industry has been like for the last, for, for, for eternity since Whatever. it started. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and how difficult, because that's a huge shift. I mean, that, that is a massive shift going from, from one to the other. Can that be done in steps or is it a case of you've got to rip everything up and start again?
2: Um, so, and we'll get to a, a little bit more, but uh, we have to start with critical data. You know, there's uh, what's referred to as the Pareto principle. And what we've discovered is that with a relatively few number of data entities, uh, we can very accurately, you know, predict what the outcomes of the project are. Um, there, there's way, way too many, um, too much granularity, too much detail uh, uh too much information uh in a project to try to uh you know bite off the whole elephant we have to start what's with, with what's referred to as the most critical data and that even for a, a large complex hospital uh, might only be a, a, about 150 to 200 data entities and um and so um you know versus the, the you know the the tens of thousands of you know the data entities that ultimately would uh, you know exist in all of the data sources you know once the project is completed.
1: Yeah it's funny you should say that because a lot of people listen to this listen you know, there's our top 50 companies there's companies that are just starting up there's there's companies that have been going 100 100 years and, and they they all think about the the preconstruction data the data conversation as a pain in the pain in the head or a pain in the arse as, as as we like to call it but you're right in what you're saying is if they haven't started the data journey or they're halfway through the data journey you can start it at a very, very high level. Like the data points don't have to be tens of thousands. What, What, is is that the biggest misconception? Is that the biggest mistake that you're seeing on the contractor side?
2: Well, uh, yes. Um, yeah, it's very hard really for estimators to really think in terms of a system. They don't really are able to think uh, about the owner's business case, you know, the you know the classroom or the patient uh, room, some some of the more sophisticated uh, builders have been able to start uh, you know uh, doing conceptual estimating maybe by department, you know, maybe you know, by so in an inpatient uh, wing or surgery or you know um, maybe science lab or a hotel room, you know, uh, and that kind of thing, but um, by and large, you know, for the day-to-day construction, it is it's really hard, you know, for estimators really to, you know, to think in those terms of the, you know, the owner's business case, and so that's the main thinking that has to happen, and and really, uh, I believe it has to start at the very top. Um, you know, I think that one of the reasons you contacted me is you learned about catalyst through a presentation that the Bolt company uh, uh, presented at the pre-construction conference down in Phoenix uh, a few weeks ago. And um, so the Bolt company's upper management, you know, was very involved uh, with the Lean Construction Institute and, uh, and uh, their, one of their co-founders, Glenn Ballard and and Glenn, uh, you know, was on a worldwide search for a, a solution that could accurately predict uh, project outcomes before you know the design process, and uh, the Bolt Company actually had developed their own internal, you know, tool to do that. You know, um, maybe department by department, and you know, and so forth. Um, the only other solution that Glenn had found worldwide was in um, it was in Finland. <laughs> it was a,
1: interesting. A,
2: a, a, yeah a tool called taku by hatala and uh, their approach is different than catalyst but it is amazing you know technology that it really is very predominant in i think finland specifically i think growing in scandinavia perhaps but um but then uh, i presented catalyst idea to the ling congress <clears throat> several years ago and glenn um, came to me and, and invited me into this um, Uh, research initiative, you know, with, uh, um, with a bolt company, and then the bolt company um, uh, saw that and then they rapidly, you know, in 2017, uh, adopted building Catalyst and has been very instrumental, in con- especially in healthcare. care.
1: Brilliant, Mark. So yeah, in 2017, obviously the bulk company then take on Catalyst, which is amazing because they've used Catalyst on over 300 projects to date, which is incredible. Um, then in 2019, you did something, I don't know whether this was in the plan, the overall strategy, but you did something interesting. You integrated all of the data together, so all of the contractors that were using Catalyst, you put the data together and allowed them to use it all. What was the thoughts behind that?
2: Well, um, actually, uh, aggregating data from lots of different uh, contractors started, you know, uh, back even in 2015 and 2016. And, and, And we were still operating... With what we refer to as this nucleus of critical data, you know, and that would be synonymous with like a uniformat level, uh, you know, in the cost standard. And then in 2019, we really wanted to take um, that nucleus of critical data that all resided within the crystal, within the uh, the catalyst uh, uh, system, and expand that to integrate with. Uh, the design, which would be uh, uh, Revit, you know, Autodesk Revit with this uh, programming and equipment purchasing. And we used a tool called the uh, uh, data management, and then uh, and then also integrate with uh, uh, estimating programs. And on a pilot project for Mary Freebed Rehabilitation Hospital, we um, did that uh, with a local contractor using um, I two Cost X, which had a plug-in that uh, made for an, a natural integration uh, uh, an easier, a better um, uh, data exchange between Revit and um, and the estimating program. And then all of that then rolled back up into Catalyst, and Catalyst becomes the the central hub. You know where every all the data is then integrated.
1: Uh, too, brilliant. And what? Obviously, that's a great benefit to all the general contractors, especially the large ones. Was there any pushback on that philosophy when someone's signing up to use Catalyst? Are they saying, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not too comfortable sharing my data with my my competitors or other contractors throughout the US"? I'm sure that came up in conversation.
2: Oh my gosh, yeah, it is the it is the hot topic. Thanks for mentioning that. That even. <laughs> even at the critical data, uh, most large mega builders, they really super resist, uh, uh, sharing data. Even if, even though the data is completely secure, totally anonymous and everything it, they just, you know, can't get over that, you know, that particular hurdle. Now, um, the bowl company thankfully isn't, uh, you know, isn't one of those. And, uh, we have a number of other builders that have, uh, you know, contributed data and it's, um, you know, and that's been, uh, that's been good. Um, and so, and then, but then even when we wanted to take the, go from this critical data stage into the detailed data stage uh, with uh, a local architect and, and builder, it, it uh, was very difficult, I'd have to admit, that they, uh, excuse me, uh, really struggled with the idea. Of um, you know just changing the way you know they they were thinking, and the other thing I should mention, and that is that you know the idea of catalyst maybe coming back to an earlier question, was not really to do cost modeling in the first place. The idea of catalyst was really to eliminate waste, um, and we have to automate if we're going to eliminate waste. But the other thing that's really important, Gareth, is we do have to change the way we reward uh, construction contracts. Right now, the, the CM or the builder's fee is based on the cost of the project. Um, they can generate uh, income on billable hours as well. And so there's very little motivation to, to really reduce cost and reduce effort and that. And so, on this particular pilot project, the whole idea was to really capture all of their, their, their potential profit that they could make on a project and, and just set that aside and then uh, really uh, encourage them through incentives to eliminate waste, to apply automation, and to uh, generate potentially more income through eliminating billable hours, eliminating cost, uh, finding better solutions to drive. Uh, waste out of the process. And, uh, and um, I would say that uh, it was a technically, it was a success. uh, But I'd say philosophically, and and just, you know, really more practically, it was, uh, it was really hard, um, you know, to, to grasp.
1: uh, Yeah. And what, what you're talking there about the the change in in, in the way of thinking construction and Getting rid of waste that comes back to the lean manufacturing process or, or ideology um, from Deming again. Do you think that that's that's achievable? Um, obviously, listen, in an ideal world, I think it would work better. But how much of a shift would that be from what we're how we're currently doing it?
2: Yeah, I absolutely think I know for sure that it's, uh, it's attainable. Uh, Yes, Gareth, I uh, firmly believe that the industry can change, uh, wants to change, and um, is able to, I think uh, it is going to take uh, owners to uh, really adopt, uh, uh, you know, this kind of methodology first, because really the problems are uh, created in the planning and uh, the programming and the design uh, stages, that uh, we still operate uh, very one-offish. We reinvent the wheel uh, in those early planning stages, and so the technology we've created really organizes all of that, puts all of that planning, that uh, space programming, into you know a system, and then uh, if we can then deliver to the builders you know, much more um, organized and structured and consistent data, then I think that they are going to be in a much better place to then structure their own data according to uh, you know, these standards. And, um, and and basically standardization is absolutely the key uh, to um, you know to automation and to you know waste removal and uh, the architects you know they uh the hair on the back of their heads you know stands up when you talk about that because that kind of connotes a okay we're going to just be totally uh, uh production architects and stuff and i say no you know you you can still produce wonderfully custom unique projects but you know but the exam room <laughs> is still mostly standardized and the yeah. Uh, you know and the, and 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 the toilet rooms are you know mostly standardized and the you know in the classroom, you know they all of those are you know can really be submitted to what we refer to as kind of a kit of parts and and even within those you can do some customization and and all of that. but uh, if we are going to truly eliminate waste, we have to standardize, we have to automate uh, the whole, Management philosophy and systems approach that Deming created to trans uh, transform manufacturing. All of those principles can absolutely work. We've proven it um, initially with this critical data. We've we've shown technically that it's totally possible. You know, at the detailed uh, data level where we're integrating these other technologies, and so um, it's very exciting. It would be so much fun. Uh, you know, for any highly Uh, innovative uh, builder to, you know, strap on this vision, but uh, they would be, it'd be much easier for them to do if uh, the information they received from the owner and from the architect was first, you know, structured and submitted to the same system. So we've been collecting lots of data, we've been doing all of the stitching together, these technologies, uh, we've been proving that technically all of it's possible, but now it's it's time really for us to go and approach the owners and uh, invite them in and see if they can you know, see the vision and that, that they can really encourage their uh, space programmers and their designers to submit to consensus standards and, and then just continue the data research uh, from there. So um, yes, it's totally doable.
1: Yeah, so do you think it's going to has to come from the owner then? Or, or do you think the contractors have to go and prove it, show it on maybe three or four projects, and then deliver it to future developers and owners? Or do you think the owner's got to stand out and go, right, this is the way we're going to do it. This is the way I want you to do it. Surely it has to come from the GC or the contractor.
2: Yeah. Okay, so Deming says In, true innovation has to come from the building producer. It can't come from the customer. So okay. when we really get to... Uh, uh, the, the transformation, the builders I, in my mind have to lead that initiative. Um, uh, however, the owners, um, because they have so much influence in, um, you know, making requirements of, you know, their consultants, you know, and their designers, I think, uh, they're going to be the ones that are really going to, um, create the, uh, Inducement and um, you know maybe even perhaps you know demand uh, improvement and, and demand measurable waste reduction and that's what Catalyst Platform enables is this you know measurable waste reduction process. So we, I'm working with a couple of uh, builders who are actually st- structuring their data you know based on the the Catalyst standards. Uh, th- they will I think emerge as leaders you know in this uh, in this movement but um truly I, I think we do need um uh the owners who are are really suffering from you know kind of these outrageous costs who really want to do something about it you know to to work together you know uh with us and in 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 these builders too so i i'm really and here's the thing uh gareth as we mentioned earlier and that is that building catalyst has so much power and, and provides so much knowledge and information and insight and decision-making capability before the builder ever gets involved in a project right so yeah. uh you know from the very napkin you know sketch or even in the early feasibility study uh building catalyst becomes very effective right up front so um you know now i would say that uh, the bowl company, for example, they can use catalyst to be introduced into the project much earlier, and owners are, uh, you know, really seeing that and um, and uh, you know tapping uh, you know on that uh, resource because of their you know ability to use catalyst. But I think that um, uh, we do need to you know get catalyst in the you know being used by the owners and their and the owner representatives. At the very yeah. early stages of a
1: project, and that's what I love about the the next thing. I want to talk about how it was used in the Mary Free Bed Rehabilitation Hospital um, in Michigan. How did how did that come about? Talk us through that that as a as a as a project. How Catalyst was able to spearhead that because um, I know it was it was a first life systems approach. And it was integrated and automated, and it integrated and automated the pre construction process. So talk to us about that as an example.
2: Okay, so uh, and this is a, a fascinating story. I can't get into the details, but the the president of Mary Freebed, a rehabilitation hospital, his background was construction.
1: Brilliant, love and, it.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, in fact, you know, he was uh, one of the co. Developers for steel cases, uh, manufacturing-inspired uh, construction process. So, and then I worked closely with him, you know, back in those steel case. And then the product name was called Workstage uh, to develop this manufacturing-inspired process construction process. And so, then when he uh, went on to Mary Freebed, um, for circumstances we just, you know, right, can't get involved in that discussion right now, but, uh, he, he's, uh, he really wanted to, um, solve the problem. He was just, you know, kind of extremely concerned with, uh you know, the cost, cost uncertainty and that. And, um, and so he brought me in and, uh, with building catalyst and we tested it on, uh, some of their projects and it proved to be true. And, um, so then I, uh, proposed to Mary Freebed, well, let's take this to, to a whole new level where we take it from this critical data, you know, uh, stage into, you know, the, the details and stitch together these, uh, different, uh, technologies that, um, I mentioned before, DROFIS um, data management, um, and, um, Autodesk Revit, and, um, and then I2 Costex estimating, and then having that all integrated with, uh, you know with catalyst and we ended up uh, engaging a, a longtime uh, friend advocate visionary who's a revit guru his name is mark dietrich in um, pittsburgh and uh, we worked together you know with these other technologists and the and the d- design and construction team to uh, put this system uh, into place and it 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 worked it, it calculated unfortunately uh the project was put on hold,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you, know, oh, you, know,
2: reasons outside, you know, our, our control, but it, by the time it was put on hold, we had actually technically proved that we can integrate and automate, you know, the, uh, the planning, the space programming and the, and the, um, uh, and the design process, you know, so even today with all our wonderful technologies, you know, contractors still have to To They can use some aids like um, Autodesk Assemble to try to, uh, you know, extract information out of the uh, design model, but then they really still have to manually, you know, take all those line items and apply unit cost to uh, to them and, and that. So it becomes just a, you know, a little bit better, but sometimes it's more effort than it's worth. So very few contractors actually ever do that. And we took that to a whole new level of, of having that data flow right through uh, uh, Revit, you know, into uh, the estimating system uh, and uh, based on a cost catalog that, uh, you know, we established, uh, you know, for the project. So it was just a, you know, just kind of a huge, I think breakthrough, you know, really for technically for the construction industry. And now um, of course, uh, We have to find that next owner that's willing to uh, lead, like Mary Freebed, to to uh, insist that that happens. Now, to your point too, you know, because your audience is most mostly contractors, you know, um, I think a a contractor sees the same vision and studies the, you know, does a study of what we did at Mary Freebed. If they capture the vision, they could then go to their uh, owners that are trying to solve the same problem, and then really put together a, a presentation and a and a proposal to to take what we did at mary freebed you know to the next level
1: brilliant and do you see much of that happening mark because obviously you've been you've been going at this for a while and and, and you're looking and speaking to the contractors on a daily basis are you seeing people putting that together that sort of system that was at mary freebed
2: no not whatsoever uh, I see wow. absolutely no evidence of it. And I don't think there ever will be, until uh, there's something like Catalyst that puts all of the critical data into a system, that's and that system is driven by uh, the owner's business case. Yeah. Um, so it it if, if they if 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 they can't you know really you know drive the predictions based on that owner's business case, uh, they really you know, don't have. I think the um, uh, what it takes uh, in order to automate the whole process. We, we you can't build a high performance automated system on a dysfunctional, uh, broken, um, you know, planning uh, foundation. You know that that whole the whole thing has to be set up in the early planning stages. It ha- the system has to be created. The standards, the data standards, have to be established upfront. And all of all of the data then has to submit uh, back up into the uh, owner's business case. There's no way we can compare an exam room uh, in New York City to Huntsville, Alabama. You know, um, if it's if it's all amalgamated into a one whole project. You know, but it it can be. You know, that exam room in those two locations can be if if those are the, the basic building blocks that we're working from rather than the whole building as a building block that uh, uh, contractors just have not, you know, been able um, to um, accomplish that, that data system that allows them to wreck um, to, to um, reckon with, you know, the, what's going on inside the building, you know, could the intensity of design, the intensity of cost between the, you know, the different functions of what's going on inside the building are just enormous. And nobody's really uh, been able to figure that out at the functional level. I mentioned earlier that some companies, and Bolt did even before Catalyst, uh, were are, are, are really trying to make sense of, you know, what a, um, a, a departmental, you know, square foot cost, you know, might be. But but even within the departments, the variation can be dramatically different. You know, the the cost for uh, the an MRI or a CT scanner is totally different than the cost for like a, a, a ultrasound or um, you know some other diagnostic uh, uh, function uh, there. So, so no, the answer to your question is until. A complete system of critical data that uh, is totally um, organized according to the owner's business case. Uh, until we can get to that point, I don't think that we can accomplish this complete, you know, pre-construction integration and automation.
1: Yeah, and me and you both know that there are ENR A&R top ten companies doing this alone. They're doing this themselves um and th- they're close to it. the the likes of mortensen skanska they they're they're doing these data solutions uh, and trying to get these systems in place um and, and i think they're pretty close is that what you're seeing
2: well um i think they certainly they can um certainly they can get closer um you know i i believe and yeah. um but i i think that it's it's still uh, it's still gonna be a stretch. I don't think they, you know, they really haven't been able to, and in the way we've designed Catalyst, we don't need to either, but I don't know if they've been able to really then take data from their completed projects and roll it back into <clears throat> uh, their predictability tools, um, you know, based on, you know, department by department.
1: Um, yeah. And that's where the real magic happens, isn't it, Mark? That's, that's when that's yeah. when you get stronger, you get better. And, and as an industry, things get easier. The risk goes down, the waste goes down and everything gets so-called and, and more transparent. We can become more collaborative and, and projects become, especially within pre-construction estimating, projects become easier to deliver.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So even the firms you've mentioned there, you know, they they can make a lot more progress if they can s- simply structure their data. Now, yeah. uniformat, you know, does provide the means to do it, but uh, currently, I don't know uh, any contractor that has uh, f- even the big the big guys who have effectively um, been able to um, code their um, their detailed estimates, you know, to any kind of a system, you know, and then code their buyout, you know, when they get their trade contractors. In the catalyst world, we have to take the uh, detailed, uh, like uh, schedule of values of the actual costs, you know, and and take, you know, that mason contract, you know, for example, and then break that back down into uniformat, you know, so the projects are bought out in CSI master format, but that data has to be then translated back into Uniformat in order to um, be submitted to a complete system. yeah um, and I I think that's that actually is uh, huge a, a huge breakthrough that would accomplish and I think that uh, um, you know those well we'll we'll see it, you know, it hasn't <laughs> happened yet.
1: love it i can't wait when it happens mark i want you to ring me first and get you on the podcast to tell us all about it
2: all right all right well i you know we are we are working with a couple contractors that are um you know pursuing it so that's encouraging
1: yeah. Now, listen, Mark, I see it all the time. I mean, the people come on the podcast. The reason I ask about Scanska, we've had a lot of their pre-construction team, their data solutions team on the podcast, and they're working towards it. And I think they're pretty close. And that's the, that's the issue that I have. There's so many... Good. No, I'm not. They don't have to be in our top 50 contractors. I'm talking about small contractors that are only 10 years old. These guys are putting a lot of emphasis on pre construction and data points in particular, and they are killing it. And there's a lot of old companies not thinking, they're not thinking pre construction data, historical data, and they're not thinking technology, and they're getting left behind. And it just pains me. To do that, they're losing people because of it. They're losing projects because of it, and they're putting themselves under serious pressure, risk-wise, because of it. So, we need people to talk about it more. We need people to share stories about it more to get us up to speed. Because once everyone's up to speed on data, on technology, then it's all about value engineering and the people that they hire and and the culture that they provide their people that that will will be the best companies. Um, and that's what we're we're trying to get. Just to go back as well on, on that ideal that ideal format you said it 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 helps we talked about the, the project delivery uh method so IPD and design build i'm seeing a huge shift towards that negotiated design build how important is that when it comes to the ideology of catalyst
2: it's absolutely essential you know it's uh it has to be um uh, fully integrated now IPD is uh is a is a good idea and design build is, I think, even better, but still the, uh, the architect's data, uh, you know, is, is still one-offish, you know, um, the, you know, built that's built in, uh, Revit and, um, and the contractor's data is still, uh, one-offish, um, and IPD and design build provide the, uh, only, uh, contractual framework to uh cause the architect, engineer, and the builder to be working off of the same data standard. Yeah. They are not working on the same data standard. And so those two contracting methods really provide the impetus, but they still gotta get there. They, you know, and that's what we've been obsessing about is creating one data standard. And the data standard is across all kinds of data groups, you know, so it's the You know, the data standard starts with the uh, owner's business case, then that data standard start, you know, continues with uh, the actual room standards, you know, um, now that's been tried to be accomplished with Omni class schedules 11 and 13 but you know they they just it's almost there it's not quite there but and so architects really don't use it, you know, uh, or space planners really don't use it uh, consistently. Um, Then we get into the design parameters um, and and into the schedule. And then finally the cost. Um, And then very importantly are this, this whole data category called attributes and attributes are huge. They're so important that uh, we need to know if this building is in a seismic class A, or if it's in a seismic class D, we need to know if it's in a, um, you know, in in a hot temperate, or if it's in a cold temperate, we need to know what is the quality standard. We need to know what the, uh, uh, the, um, you know, the operability, you know, is this building, uh, the emergency systems only supporting critical systems, or is the building have to be, you know, uh, fully operable, or does there have to be redundancy does, you know, built into, um, you know, the, um, uh, uh, the life safety systems and the operation uh, of the building uh, and that kind of thing. So this whole uh, idea of, of uh, attributes that really drive outcomes have to be considered, you know, in, um, you know, in the uh, total data system.
1: Brilliant, and and then across sectors, industry sectors, is that is the data standards the same? So aviation, healthcare, manufacturing, like uh like a, a pharmaceutical, like all multifamily, is is that the case across everything?
2: Well, you know, um, so uh, we have to be able to you know have a filter so when when uh for example in catalyst if you select a um if you select a uh uh care an inpatient facility it knows that nurse call ought to be one of the check boxes yeah you know for example and special medical systems ought to be one of the check boxes if you select an industrial project and you get into the attributes you don't want nurse call to even show up you, you know so the the answer is, yes, that globally, we need to be working off of one data standard, you know, that, uh, uh, but within it, within particular uh, um, market sectors, there would be a filtering of the apply, the applicable, um, you know, selections within those uh, attributes. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, no, perfect sense. Absolutely. There's, there's probably a core. And then there's, you say, there's filters after that as well. Um, And then what, tell me now, Mark, obviously this, this all sounds very exciting, uh, specifically Catalyst. What's, what's next for Catalyst? What excites you? What, what are you, what are you guys working on right now? Obviously you're working with your current contractors, but what else? Is there any variations coming out? Is there any add-ons?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, clearly, you know, the, the, the most vital um, uh, uh, need there and the most exciting thing is, uh, is, is structuring data and working with the contractors in um, in structuring this data, and um, uh, that. Uh, so in the past, over the last several years, I mean, we've recorded just dozens and dozens and dozens of projects at a very detailed level, but we've had to re- we've had to kind of manually condition all that data, right? So that's that's really not sustainable. So for Catalyst to become sustainable, we really need a core of uh, building companies that are submitting to this data standard so that they, they, you don't have to manually um, go through and recondition the data, the the data rides for free, you know, at the end of the, or even at buyout, or then again, at the bottom, at the end of the project, that data just can be automatically, you know, imported into Catalyst and then submitted to you know the big data sample to continue to refine and improve the predictability. What's awesome is to you know find you know projects where you see variations and you. And uh, I'm a geek, right? So I uh, I love to find variation. I like to see where there's a huge difference between the predicted outcome and the actual outcome, and then start asking the question. Why does that variation exist? And then when we answer that question, why that variation exists, we got a new attribute, we have a new cause, a new reason for why you know things vary so much. And and to you know, to raise up a generation of uh, you know young you know professionals that are equally as you know interested in solving this problem, this deming problem. But deming at the end of these days said, uh, you know, basically, if I had to boil down my whole message it's all about reducing variation. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's what we need to do. We need to raise up a generation of professionals within the construction industry that are obsessed with reducing variation.
1: Love it, I I, I will I will. cheers to that. And then Mark, we've got, well also, I mean, we, we did a, a podcast on it last week with Will Center. Everyone's talking about AI and ML, uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence. Where do you see that plugging into catalyst and helping catalyst?
2: Well, yeah, and I've talked to my, and my 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 uh, partners are both software developers, and they cringe you know, when I talk about um, machine learning and, and AI. But then, you know, now that uh, you know that we've kind of experienced how we have to manually do this calibration process, we can actually use some more of the machine learning principles. To automatically calibrate you know rather than having you know uh, technologists uh, do the the calibration uh, there now you know truly in the sense of ai um that's beyond that's beyond me how any um you know computer computer system any ai solution could go out and, and sniff out you know the the you know the variations that exist between the different departments that's going on in the building the you know ai is going to um uh it's going to be a a major player in in different areas maybe of uh you know of, of making available just a whole bunch of building solutions that could be considered rather than a human having to go out and you know finding those solutions but i had a I've been kicking around this idea. It's almost like a, the, the Amazon approach to construction. That is someone could just go on, you know, log in uh, to something like Catalyst and uh, just start answering questions. And within a few minutes, uh, it wouldn't give you anywhere near the detail that Catalyst provides, but within a few minutes, the, uh, you know, the owner could know what his building should cost or, you know, how long it's going to take or how big it should be. Uh, and then the f- perfect test is for an owner or an owner's representative to go in and just, uh, re- you know, just answer those same questions for a project they just completed and see what the results are uh, compared to what the, pre- you know, predictions would be. And they go, whoa, we spent how many hundreds of thousands of dollars of manual effort and the computer could do that in a matter of
0: minutes, you know, or
1: yeah, that's that's the scary part of it, um, and it's also the, the trust side of it as well. And but it, that that only you're only able to do that with the data if the data is structured properly and what they're reading and what they're gathering um, and how they're coming to that that number. And then obviously the story behind the number as well. I'm sure the owner wants to know. He just doesn't want a, a number shoved in his face, going, "This is what it's going to cost you." He wants a story on, on how it's going to be built and, and how you're going to value engineer it. Um, but it's exciting times. There's no doubt about it. I agree with you. It's 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 gonna be it's gonna be exciting both on the AI and and the ML side of things. Well, listen, Mark, that was absolutely fantastic. I mean, as you said, a lot of our listeners come from the contractor side. So if there is anybody listening now, Mark, and they're listening to this podcast and thinking, you know what, what Mark's talking about, I need help with this. I'm interested in catalyst. What's the best way to get in touch with you?
2: Yeah. So I would say uh, get on our website, um, www.buildingcatalyst.com. Go to contacts, and um, there's a, basically it's info at buildingcatalyst.com. We'll uh, get to someone, and that uh, will get to me uh, ultimately as well, and uh, would love to, you know, continue the discussion. I do really just quickly want to come back to your point, you know, you've mentioned and you're, you know, having uh, these podcasts with uh, like Mortensen and and Skanska and these awesome, awesome companies. And, uh, and truly, I know that they're uh, doing, you know, wonderful uh, things uh, out there. Um, My admonition and my uh, what's exciting to me is they're probably in uniform at, at, least on the cost side. And as long as they're doing that, then they are, and they're being true, you know, to the, um, the cost standards there, then that data is going to be, that's going to be live data, you know, yeah. um, and red data and that, and the whole idea of live data, you know, is amazing. And, and then, you know, perhaps one day I, I'd be excited to, to work with uh you know those those firms because what they're doing now it sounds like is is going to make uh you know the collaboration that you were mentioned about mentioning earlier um, gonna be you know so much more um, doable uh, yeah and absolutely can, you know,
1: and that's what we need mark we need all you bright minds in the one room to make our life a little bit easier so that we can deliver more projects on time and under budget
2: amen that's it. Nailed it.
1: Mark is being I, I want to
2: go. I want to go a step further. Yeah. Um, on on time and on budget um, doesn't solve our uh, cost problem. It's very important on a particular project, but uh, if we just make our budgets high enough and our uh, schedules long enough, then we it's easy to make them. The whole idea of catalyst is to to reduce the cost and reduce the time. Um, you know, globally.
1: Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Amen to <laughs> that. So that's clear. That's a great finishing yeah. line. Yeah. Thank Brilliant. you. Brilliant. So and listen, much. I, I know that this is not going to be the last time we're going to have you on. I know that there's going to be probably in around 12 months time, we're going to get you back on, talk about Catalyst, talk about the progress that you've made, and talk about some of those success stories. Yeah.
2: Thank you. I'd love to love it. Thanks Thanks, for the opportunity. Appreciate what you're doing.
1: You're welcome, Mark. Talk to you soon.
0: Hi, I'm Steve Delordo, founder and CEO of Concentric, the first holistic platform for pre-construction. As a former executive officer of one of the largest general contractors in the US, I've experienced firsthand the challenges the industry is facing, particularly in pre-construction. Pre-construction is still a highly manual and fractured collection of processes. Essential information is kept in ad hoc, scattered spreadsheets and documents, which really limits the understanding and hides the full picture of a project for all those involved. Concentric is here to change that. Our 360-degree platform unites data, workflows, and people. With Concentric, you and your team can access real-time insights and data, assess and mitigate risk to ensure a successful project outcome, and most importantly, unlock the enormous capacity of your talent and your data. To learn more about Concentric and to book a demo, head to our website, Concentric.com. That's spelled C-O-N-C-N-T-R-I-C.com. Concentric, it's pre-construction recalibrated for the modern builder.
1: Wow, what a fascinating insight by Mark Sands. There's no doubt about it. The, 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 the whole structured data world and, and the pre-construction technology and the systems approach, it's, it's, you can see it coming together nicely. Who's going to break through? God knows, but it sounds like Mark Sands is going to have a hand in it. So a big thank you for giving up his time to come on and have a chat with us. As always, folks, I'm going to put in the show notes the LinkedIn link to Mark Sands. If you've got any questions, any follow-up questions, if you want to ask him anything, just hop on his LinkedIn and shoot across. Uh, a quick message I'm also going to put in the website address that he discussed it's buildingcatalyst.com so go over there and have a look through the website um, and you can content any any members of the team as well listen thanks for listening as always please subscribe and stay tuned for more incredible guests